and you were just quietly giggling like madly onto the mic. This is what I have to work with, people. This is what it's like. You don't know the torture of this. It's such a role reversal week. I love it. I know. Normally I'm the one who's doing that. (laughs) This is fun. (laughs) And it's usually you going, oh, for fuck's sakes, while I roar with laughter at some inanity that I've managed to find in a sentence. Take two. Hello and welcome. I'm really in a silly mood. I apologize. Would you like me to do it? Yes. No. Yes, go on. (laughs) Oh, God. I can't remember what we say. Hello and welcome to the It Is Complicated podcast, where the answer to every question is, it's complicated, including the name of this podcast, which it is complicated. So, hello, Josephine. You get to introduce yourself first this week. Welcome to a very silly episode. My name is Josephine Baird and I am a independent scholar. I'm an activist and an artist. Currently my activities involve drawing pictures of queers and putting them on Instagram and talking to you on this very podcast that you're listening to right now. And you're effectively a queer without a portfolio. And a queer without portfolio. I've got to forget that. Hello, Dr. J. Who are you? Hello. (laughs) This is the silliest episode we're ever going to record. I think we're both just so over the world today. Um, I'm Dr. J. I gave myself the job title Habinger of Change and the gender transgressive non-binary gender queer. I am what happens when queers are allowed to self-define. I'm a troublemaker and a hashtag queer nuisance because branding. (laughs) I also have another line which, which, about my about my gender because people say well non-binary and gender queer they're both umbrella terms they mean quite different things people don't tend to use them both together and i say yes and i point you to the first word in my gender transgressive because people have literally looked at me and gone huh even queers look at my gender and go huh what that's complicated how why do you have to make things so complicated that's why we call our this bag. podcast, It Is Complicated. Is... Welcome to today's episode, which is, I think, going to be very silly. So uh, strap yourselves in. Uh, what's the topic today, Jay? Well, having gone through all of the heaviness and everything that we could find, we settled on self-care because we thought we could make it, it would kind of fit in with our silliness of today. The world is on fire and sometimes you've just got to sit there and wriggle your toes and giggle with glee and sit in the sunshine and farm a fuck and just sit around and just find ways to make yourself feel better. Agreed. Explain the term farm a fuck. Oh, those times when you're sitting there and you feel like you can't do anything productive and you stare out the window or you sit around and bake a cake or you just do something you are not and you and you beat yourself up and you say I'm not being productive you are being productive you are farming a fuck to give 
because you have no fucks to give and you are farming those fucks so that tomorrow you will have a fuck to give. I, I like that idea of fuck farming and it's so descriptive and it's a really, really, really short way of saying something really, really clear and obvious and something that I think we all do very little of. Uh, and especially at this point, you know, one of the things that became very clear in the um, the COVID-19 um, lockdown era was seeing a lot of people insisting that, oh, I'm going to be locked down. And uh, and because I'm, I'm at home and I can just hang out, I'm going to learn three languages and I'm going to study Sanskrit and I'm going to... <laughs> I know, but you saw this, didn't you? You saw this, right? Oh. And my favorite one is if you don't come out of lockdown with a new language, then it's not opportunity, it's laziness. That's what I saw. And I was like, go fuck yourself. First off, you. It's like, this is not normal. This is not normal. You are in the middle of a global pandemic with a lot of extra worry, a lot of stuff going on. The world is on fire. You know, mm. think of 2020. It started with the world on fire. We then got a global pandemic, and that was April. And everyone goes into, and you're kind of sitting there going, when, when Raleigh is called and the great many tentacle Cthonic Cthulhu comes out of the water from the deep and rips our souls from, from our bodies, I will not be surprised because it will be fucking 2020. When the aliens arrive the next month, everyone's going to be like, mm-hmm. Thank God. I for and one welcome all you alien overlords. Alien overlords, yeah. And then and and then you're like, oh, so that was September. <laughs> this year it feels like it's about ten years long. You know, I I haven't seen my partner now since what is it now? Twelve weeks. Yeah, it's about twelve, right? Yeah, at the moment it's what month is it again? Oh, June. It's only June. Just June. <laughs> it's only just June. At oh, the it's time Tuesday the second. Yeah, at the time of recording. At the time of recording, it's Tuesday the second of June. Because in thirteen days' time, I have been in London for exactly fifteen years, and in a month's a month a month's time, I've been in my flat for ten years. That's exciting. So it's an oh. exciting couple of months, and it's exciting times. Happy anniversary! Thank you, thank you, thank time you, to my celebrate. my. My my happy London anniversary. Well, I think these things are times to celebrate, times to take some. To, to I think self care can be about reflecting on the things that you've achieved, like that, in the sense that you mm -hmm. came here and you've been in a place that you do have great affinity for for so long, and that you found others in. <clears throat> and we we love you being there. The only sad mm -hmm. part is that I'm not there with you right now, but I'm glad that we can do this. But yeah, um, and. It's kind of like, I mean, one of the great things that Josephine gave me around self-care was convincing me to create an art gallery in my house of my art and the art that I have purchased from, from friends and from artists who I admire because it's actually given me more self-care when I look up on the walls. My walls are now full of pictures and I look at these pictures and I'm like, I remember taking that picture or that picture means this to me and I've just constantly got that little bits of self-care just looking around the flat and just looking around the room that I am literally stuck in 24-7. I'm lucky that now I have to say I am incredibly privileged. I live in a one-bedroom flat in London that is the right size for one person. 
It is not the size for two people. Josephine and I have had to try it for, what was it, about two, three weeks? And our friendship survived it, which is a testament to the strength of our friendship and not the size of my flat. This is true. True facts. It's perfect for one person, but I've been stuck within these walls for pretty much 24-7 for the last 12, 13 weeks. And that's a very, very long time to be on your own, very long time to be physically on your own. Um, And it's hardcore. And self-care becomes really important in that because otherwise you're not going to, your mental health is not going to survive it. Agreed. And self-care is so difficult. It's, uh, it's complicated. It's not, I think self-care is a, quite a simple notion, but it's complicated by the pressures that we put on ourselves and the pressures we believe others are putting on us. Um, not to engage in self-care, to um, sacrifice that self-care for some other goal. In this case, the idea that um, Dr. J so kindly attributes to me, I have to now cite my source (laughs) properly because it was actually not my idea originally. It was my dear wife's, uh, Effie's idea, because we are very lucky to be living in the home that we have now. Being in Sweden and specifically where we are means that we can afford to live somewhere slightly larger than I would have been able to afford in London. And even, even now, you know, and yeah. London, you would be in a matchbox. Yeah, face I have it. Been, I have Everyone been is. That. Yeah, and I would have been. <laughs> I was when I left London. I was. Uh, anyway, that's a longer story. But um, we have enough room in this beautiful place for me to have my own room. Now, I was rejecting this notion for some time because uh, I was like, no, no, I don't need a room for myself. I, we can make it into a space for someone else. Someone else must need it more, you know, because of course that's what I'm saying. And Effie quite rightly said, remember your Virginia Woolf. No, she didn't say that, but it was part of the conversation, (laughs) which is that, you know, you need a room of your own. If you are going to actually thrive, having a room of your own is a huge part of that. And that book and her her philosophy at that moment is, I think, incredibly true, because the second I did have this room, I found that I was like, oh, my God, I can think and I can be productive and I can, Mm. you know, and one of the things that she insisted that I do because it was my room was to decorate it. And of course, being completely useless (laughs) at uh, decorating my own space, I was like, oh, I don't know. I could put up some pictures that we have. And she said, no, you should put up the posters of uh, the, you know, of the movies you've done or the, you know, shows that you've been on or the pictures of things that you've been involved in. And so I was like, really? Doesn't the room kind of become the me room? Isn't that like hugely egotistical? And she has said, it will remind you that you can do these things. It can remind you of the experiences that you had making these things that, make, that gave you tremendous joy, but also it reminds you that you are capable of doing these things, that you are able to produce these things when you're doubting yourself, when you have horrible imposter syndrome, when you're not self-caring, when you are thinking so other people are worth more than you or that they're worth more room than you because you can't possibly be worth an entire room of your own. So, you know, I ended up actually doing exactly what Effie suggested and it has exactly that effect. I look up and I go, 
hold on, yeah, that was beautiful. And I'm really proud of that. And I'm, I, I did that. So I guess I can do this. You know, like, I, you know, that horrible moment when you're staring at a blank page on your computer screen going, I must be creative or you need to do something. And all this anxiety comes in and all this self-doubt. And if you look up and see art that you love, that you picked yourself or is meaningful to you, or even something you've made yourself, it reminds you like, hey, you can do this. You are worth it. And so when Jay was saying, I've got this art of my own, these pictures that I've taken, I don't know what to do with them. And I'm like, put them on the wall, silly. <laughs> and, and have the same experience I did. But what Jay did, which I absolutely adore, <laughs> is took it quite literally. I then did a gallery brochure for the art in my house, including a title and a description of every picture formatted correctly. Um, and image descriptions so that uh, anyone who is visually impaired can understand what the image is. It's a wonderful act of self-care that I think we're all too sort of, especially as artists and performers, you're racked with this sense of weird guilt or, you know, self-aggrandizement. Well, maybe not everybody, just me, that um, that made you feel like, oh, you can't, you can't be proud of what you're doing, but you also can't mm. take time to self-care, that that somehow you know, a product of laziness or it's a product of self-indulgence or, or whatever, mm. when actually it's about maintaining your mental health. And one of the people mm. who I adore on this subject, who I had the immense pleasure of being on a whole day workshop with is Meg John Barker. MJ, they, MJ, MJ Barker. Um, they did an amazing workshop here in Stockholm that I was lucky enough to attend. And it was about self-care for, um, at that time, it was um, psychologists, therapists, um, activists who would do a lot of work for other people. And it was a absolutely fascinating day and really reminded me of the need to do this. Because if you're spending your time focusing on others, which so many people are told to do and especially if you're born into a culture that insists one gender does that more than others you are basically instructed to do to the detriment and exclusion of your own mental health getting reminded now and again that perhaps you should take care of this person that's doing all this work for everyone else and that's not a bad idea and there are ways to train yourself into doing that because in many regards i don't think we're very good at it the culture that we're born into does not allow for it doesn't doesn't like it if you're not being productive you're not feeding that machine and you're not consuming and you're not doing stuff for the the alien overlords who are coming in on wednesday with it (laughs) yeah yeah um, yeah yeah. then you're not doing the right thing you're not growing and profit and growth you're not doing profit Mm -hmm. and growth if you're not doing that then you're then you're somehow not worth anything mj seems to be the person flying through this podcast because I had them as my writing mentor for much of the last 12 months. They are amazing if you get a chance to work with them because they're really, really understanding about that sometimes being productive, you've got to take the time to be nice to yourself. I mean, this yeah. is the, the thing is that, you know, working harder doesn't make you necessarily more effective. It actually can reduce your productivity significantly. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's, again, being an academic type, I know the research on this is basically that. You know, there was very interesting research done on video game industry and their propensity to 
crunch, and I'm sure this happens in all sorts of tech industries, I'm sure Jay can tell us, that crunch Mm -hmm. periods is this intense working time period at the end of a project where you have to you know, work 70 hours, 80 hours, 100 hour weeks in order to get the product out the door and perfect. And that, you know, this is, this is a culture that this is understood. And the research that was done on, on this, of course, said, well, if you do that to your worker, your worker will actually produce worse work and less of it than if you actually had them working a regular schedule. So weirdly enough, your culture of forcing them to work that way means you need more of that kind of work because it's actually now a detriment to your mm. output. And, yeah. But this culture venerates that kind of overwork and doesn't venerate the person who balances their life, who puts their self-care at a high priority and then can be the person they need to be because they have the energy to do it. One of the things that we at ThoughtWorks talk about is the fact that it should never be a death march. The pace should always be a pace that can be indefinitely sustained. And one of the things that I've come to realize is that you've got to have time to be creative. If you try to force people to do stuff, fire, 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 oh, we've got to do this, we've got to do this, we've got to do this. You never get the best out of people. Just being able to be more creative, coming up with much better solutions, much better ways of tackling problems because somebody's had the time to think about it. Yeah, and yet, of course, people are feeling like they have to do it anyway. And what what is causing that is, I believe, this culture that we live in. And also, of course, the massive variation and opportunities that we give people. That's the thing. I mean, we can sit here and say as much as we want that, like, yes, we should all self-care a bit better. Yes, we should all take more time to smell the roses. But what if you aren't given that time? What if you are in those circumstances where you have to work like that in order simply to survive? Or, you know, you have three jobs and a kid at home and, uh, you know, you, you can't afford to do that. It's, it's a, and that perpetuates this horrific system. And I've certainly been in a circumstance where I felt like I can't be sick. I can't take care of myself when I'm sick because I have to earn enough money to make rent. But we are in a culture that is definitely full of inequalities around the time that people can have. That work-life balance doesn't exist for some people. And I, I've been there. I totally understand it. And COVID-19 and the lockdown has brought up a lot of those inequalities. I can't leave my house because sheltering. But I know that there are people in the supermarket down the end of my street who've been working all of those 12 weeks who've been working extra long shifts to make sure that stock's there that people can get food that all of those things are there and they aren't having the same privileges that I've got Mm. I think Mm. it's complicated we started talking about self-care and why Mm. it's important and the way that we can give each other self-care and Mm. then we've recognized that giving that ourselves that self-care and having the ability to sit and stare out a window and farm a fuck. There are some people who have to work when they do not have any fucks to give. When the only fuck that they have to give is that they have to be there to pay their rent. And that bringing up that inequality and this whole self-care notion sometimes comes across as very much white middle class and above privilege of these are the people who get to have self-care and the people who don't get to have self-care is outside of that. And when that's presented as the only self-care is yeah. live, laugh, love on the wall and stuff like this. And it's like, 
No, self-care is whatever is going to allow you to feel that sense of purpose, that sense of togetherness, that sense of contemplation that allows you to go, this is what I'm going to do. My mind is now quiet enough. I can put aside some of the things that are going through my head and focus on something. Yeah, it's very interesting because I was confronted with this um, notion when I became ill. One of the factors, not the only one by a long shot, but one of the factors that exacerbated my illness for many years was the fact that I was working flat out. I was trying to maintain a academic career. I was trying to maintain a performance career and pay rent by working full time because I wasn't funded as an academic. I didn't have any source of income other than my daytime job. And somehow I convinced myself that not only was this okay, this was laudable, you know, that I could produce at this level. No, this is, this is right. I should be an activist, a, an academic performer and a, you know, working as a personal assistant at the time. And I loved that job. Nothing against the job. Not one of those things, not, not one of the three or four jobs that I was doing at the same time was bad. I was very lucky. And, and again, I count my privilege in that regard. Like I, I was able to work in an environment that was positive and supportive of me. I was able to do those things. But I somehow put all of my value into that, that my value was what I could do. And when I became ill and I was no longer able to produce, I was lucky enough to be living in a situation where I was caught by people who cared and a medical system in Sweden that did actually support me. The medical system in Sweden is far from perfect and a lot of people fall through the net. Thankfully, I wasn't one of them for once. I was astounded that I got care at all because I'd come from England where I knew that wasn't a thing. And I was confronted with this idea. Like I found myself saying to doctors like, but I can't produce anything. What value do I now have? You know, who am I if I can't do this? Who, you know, am I a good queer? Am I a good activist? Am I a good feminist? Am I a good academic? Am I good anything? And in the end, I just broke down. And again, I, I have to cite my wife here for giving me a fabulous idea that helped me get through that period. And she said, you are not a human doing, you are a human being, which means you must <laughs> be. So just be, that's enough. And that concept was so alien that I couldn't even really recognize it at first, but has become a huge part of what I've been trying to do to recover. And I will try to do that as much as possible that my opportunities, my finances and my life environment will allow so that I can continue to do the things that I love to find those moments of quiet, like Jason perfectly described, that moment of quiet mind, of silence, in which you can have your own room, your own space, your own moment to think. And again, Effie's one is to have a thought from beginning to end, which is very <laughs> hard to do sometimes if you're a parent, for example, or if you're working three <laughs> jobs and, you know, avoiding thinking about all the things that are going wrong or all the inequalities and discrimination that you face constantly because you're trying to avoid those things. Here's the other reason you work three full-time jobs. You're trying to avoid something. It doesn't take a psychologist yeah. to figure that out. And one of those things yeah. might be the lack of self-care that you're doing. 
this is why self-care is really important and complicated because I don't think you can get to self-care until you like yourself enough, until you accept yourself enough, until you're in a space where you matter enough that you will spend time on yourself. Yes. And yeah, you have the yeah. opportunity to do it because yeah, no, because there's one thing that I find really, really difficult and it's something that's repeated all too often. The platitude that I, I really don't like is no one will love you until you love yourself. If it's, you can't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love somebody else? It's bullshit because I love lots of people who don't love themselves. I've spent a tremendous amount of time not loving myself. And it was the love of other people that convinced me to put any care into myself, to actually value myself as a human being to the same degree that I value other people. But it's the same thing about this. Like Self-care requires you to value yourself enough to start. And have the opportunity to do it. Two things that are very Mm. difficult to achieve in a culture that doesn't value self-care and in a culture that doesn't give you any opportunity to self-care. And so you have to find or trying to define self-care in very specific ways, in very unusual ways sometimes, in very different ways according to the person. And it's not easy and it's not Mm. simple, but it is necessary. And I think it is a human right. And it's something yeah. that we really need to give much more priority to in our own lives, but to provide more opportunities for others to do the same. Because so, I, the, the one thing I see is people burning out constantly. I totally agree. And I think when we build the new normal post-COVID, you know, everyone talks about, oh, when will life go back to normal? I'm like, I don't want fucking normal. Why don't we rebuild it into something a little bit more inclusive, something a little bit that where people like me are able to thrive and survive and not, mm. and it's not just for the normative people. It's not cis white het, homogeny that gets to thrive and survive. It's the rest of us that also get to thrive and survive. How do we create a normal that is that inclusive, that is that allowing of those different spaces that gives everyone the opportunity. Why can't we all have the chance of taking time of farming a fuck. Oh, by the way, I need to give props to Griff for giving me the notion of fuck farming because I said one afternoon, he is Maria's flatmate. I've known him the 13 years that I've known my partner. He is my partner's best friend and they've known each other since they were 16. I was sitting on the couch texting him, just catching up. And I said, I am just sitting here doing nothing. And he's like, no, you are farming fucks. And I was like, this is the best description ever that I could have had of what I was doing that day because I just needed to stop for six hours, demolish a book, put some food on. The, I, you can finish your sentence, but um, I, oh, my, my wife just came <laughs> in who we were speaking about and she's got a spoonful of ice cream that she's feeding me. What flavor? Mm. Cookie girl. Is it for me? Yeah, you can help. You can share. I can share it with Jay. Ah! My love, today's episode is on self-care and you have been very much in our talks. And just to prove the point, my dear wife just walked in with ice cream and, and fed me some cookie dough ice cream and brought a ice lolly for, uh, or a popsicle for, the, for our American listeners, for um, for Dr. Jay. Yeah. <laughs> 
And so I'm now feeding Dr. J the popsicle through the, <laughs> through the, the ether of the internet. Here you go. I was just about to say, dear, dear listener, I'm not entirely sure how Josephine of the Future is going to edit this episode. Honestly, I think we might be just doing group therapy right now. And by say, <laughs> when I say group therapy, I mean Dr. J and I are doing group therapy and you're just along for the ride. So I hope you don't mind. This may just be our mid-season episode. This is that episode that everybody goes, yeah, it's normally good. <laughs> <laughs> hey no because because that would be the musical episode because mm. for i am tone deaf i am actually one of those people who's done the test and is actually tone deaf our episode this week dear listener has is if i if i even edit and put this in any shape that can be released it may simply be our episode on self-care that has now devolved into you know self-care for us yeah <laughs> enjoy we're just gonna talk bollocks for a while yes i'm sorry self-care is difficult it's almost difficult to talk about in the sense that there is so much psychological baggage caught up in the very notion of self-care is it something you know as you said it, it can become the practice that's only available to those who've got privilege and opportunity so you know how can we value the notion without it becoming something that the phrase itself almost becomes sort of frustrating to discuss i find, I find this really hard I'm not even sure if I have an answer right now. It's just more a case of like, I've been told by medical professionals and people who love me that I need to do self-care. And on those occasions when you simply can't, that dissonance is really, really difficult. And then on when you do have the opportunity to self-care, you're taught by your society not to because that is somehow, mm. you know, a, an indulgence. And then, of course, there are those people who indulge constantly and call it self-care. And it's like, and don't understand that what they're doing is providence of their opportunity and privilege. And yet, of course, this should be the opportunity and right of every person. And so how can I advocate for self-care without it becoming tone-deaf statement of privilege or a self-help mantra that very few people can actually live up to? How can I advocate for this but it's like also, i'm asking you jay is if you know <laughs> well no but i'm also i'm also saying like so i think this notion of self-care needs to be whatever feeds you is your self-care whatever activity gives you back as much or if not more than you've put into it so i think it's more about feeding yourself feeding yourself energy feeding yourself something and taking the energy back towards yourself. And for some people, that self-care might be things that we don't even under, that I don't understand. That activity is giving them more energy back than they're extending out. Our notion of self-care isn't the only way of doing it. And it's about what feeds somebody. What feeds you, your sense of self, your energy, your purpose. That's the really important thing. So it's an individual thing. But I think oh, yeah. it's a universal capacity that maybe we can encourage and provide opportunity for others. And this isn't to the exclusion of your own self-care. I just know that the self-care that I've been able to do has often been encouraged, even provided for by another. 
giving mm-hmm. me space, giving me opportunity, giving me inspiration to do that. And I will do my best to do that for someone else and accept it from other people around me mm-hmm. to create that environment. Maybe that's how I can promote this notion. I think we all understand the need for that. And perhaps we can provide each other the inspiration and opportunity to do that and the encouragement we all need to do, but sometimes we can help each other to do something for ourselves. I hope that this podcast will be a moment of self-care for someone else, that they can just enjoy our our <laughs> bullshitting and laughing and pontificating and turning ourselves inside out for your entertainment and sense of self-care. <laughs> Uh, I really do hope that's the case. Uh, and if it is, see, I'm doing a you're segue. Welcome. <laughs> I'm, no, if it is, you're welcome. Oh, segue. Oh, sorry. If it <laughs> is. If, if it is, <clears throat> um, then perhaps you might consider. Um, fuck, no, I'm not doing it. I'll do it later. I'll do it after the credits. <laughs> Oh, look, seriously, if you like this, support us on Patreon so we can make more great things happen. Patreon.com, it is complicated, all one word. And I shall use because, it hey. self-care. Um, <laughs> and we hope you'll join us again next week for another It Is Complicated. And now it's my job to ask Jay, with much trepidation, what it is... <laughs> That we're going to talk about next week. What, you think these are planned? <laughs> As always, we're going to end up Yes. Looking at what J.K. Rowling has done and mm-hmm. think about whether we're going to discuss J.K. Rowling, to which point you always say, I'd rather not, because that's the ab- act of self-care. Yeah. <laughs> I have so much material this week to just cut bloopers in. I'm, I'm not entirely <laughs> sure how to do this week. I'm going to have to figure out some creative way to sort of <laughs> fold in this. It's going to be fun. I, I think it's going to be a fun edit. <laughs> And it's a nice bit of self-care. Well, there might be gin involved. Oh, dear. (laughs) The edit will be very interesting. Yes. (laughs) Good night, podcast. See you next week.